Let's read John 11, verse 55 through chapter 12 and verse 1. Scripture says, Now the Passover of the Judahites was at hand. Many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought for Yeshua and spoke one with another as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he isn't coming to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had commanded that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. And then six days before Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Today we're going to look at some biblical texts that teach physical and spiritual sanctification. We just read moments ago that many Judahites would go up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And purify means to make clean or to sanctify. So John 11.55 is telling us that people were concerned with making themselves clean, pure, or sanctified before the Passover took place. Now verses like this make little sense to the casual churchgoer. Aren't we already made clean in Christ? Some may ask, aren't we already sanctified in Christ? Well, to answer that question in this context, no, we are not already sanctified in Christ. Now, I realize that may be a shocker to many people who would hear me say that. It may even shock you a bit. But I want you to allow me to explain, hear me out, and be a good Berean not accepting or rejecting until you've examined, listened intently, and then examined the word for yourself. I think we're a lot better off when we do that, I mean. People do a disservice by not understanding the theological difference between justification and sanctification. The Bible uses both terms, and it teaches both concepts. Now, justification is the act in which Yahweh declares you innocent in His court of law. He acquits you. Justification doesn't even necessarily mean that you are innocent. It means He declares you innocent. It's the act in which Yahweh lays the gavel down and says not guilty based upon His righteous judgment. It's the opposite of being declared guilty. Justification does not make you sinless. Justification does not make you a more holy person in your actions. It means you're declared righteous by the highest authority who is Yahweh the Father. Now, a good example of this will help. In Luke 18, 9-14, there's a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee prayed by puffing up himself in what he believed to be all of his goodness. He told the Father that he was glad I'm not like this publican or this tax collector that's standing beside me. I'm so glad I'm not like him, Yahweh. And Yeshua used the Pharisee in this parable because, verse 9, Luke 18, verse 9, says that he was giving a parable to the people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and look down upon everybody else. Now on the flip side of this, you had the tax collector, and he did some praying too. 
But tax collectors weren't known for their righteousness. As a matter of fact, they were known for their deception and their theft. (laughs) Kind of like today, right? Well, the story of Zacchaeus comes to mind in the next chapter in Luke 19. When Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, when he repented, he promised to give half of his goods to the poor and to pay people back that he had defrauded up to four times as much. How many know that that's true repentance? He didn't just say, I repent. He showed, I repent. Well, after this tax collector in the parable in Luke 18 prayed, Yeshua said that he went home justified or declared not guilty. Why? Well, it was because of the content of his prayer or in reality. It was because of the state of his mind and his heart. This guy wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. But he stood there beating his chest. And he said this, Father, Master, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Yeshua said that he went home declared righteous or justified because people who humble themselves will be exalted. But people who exalt themselves will be brought low. That's an example, brothers and sisters, of being justified. It's not that you are such a righteous person. It's that you are declared to be not guilty or innocent based upon Yahweh's judgment. Now, the Scriptures teach that we are ultimately justified based upon what Yeshua has done for us and by us placing our faith in Him. He fulfilled all righteousness, and then He died in our place as Yahweh laid our iniquity upon Him. He then was resurrected from the dead by the power of Yahweh, and soon thereafter He was seated on the right hand of the majesty on high. And through Yeshua, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by Him, you who believe, are justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, I basically just preached the same sermon that you can go read in Acts chapter 13. Didn't preach the whole sermon, but in a nutshell. Because Yeshua, track with me now, because Yeshua filled up the justification cup to the top, by obeying Yahweh perfectly in His perfect law, you cannot become more justified than you already are if you are justified. Let me say it like this. If you are justified in Christ, you cannot become more justified in Christ tomorrow or ten years from now. And that's because that cup is full. You don't add to a full cup. However, as I began my sermon, sanctification or purity is a different term. It's a different concept. A lot of people miss this. The Bible doesn't only speak of justification. It speaks also of sanctification, purity, cleanliness. And if you are a true disciple, you are not already as sanctified as you'll ever be. You're not. Sanctification is the process by which the Spirit of Yahweh works within you to produce greater amounts of holiness as you grow in your life as a saint. Now, Scripture teaches that sanctification is the change in our actions that the new birth, as Brother James calls it, that the new birth causes. 
The cause is the Holy Spirit. The effect is that we desire to become more and more pure in our actions, more and more clean in our living, and more and more set apart in our deeds. Now, I would even argue that if sanctification is not taking place in the life of someone who professes Christ, there's no fruit. I would argue that there's no root. Any good root or good tree is going to produce good fruit. Amen? So, it's not that they're battling. Justification and sanctification are not in a battle. But it's that we rightly understand them and their proper place in the life of a believer. So in this sense, you're not fully sanctified. If you were, then we could just throw our hands up right now and just say we don't need to do anything anymore. And if we did that, we'd have to throw away a lot of Bible verses, wouldn't we, if we did that? So in the Gospel of John, where we begin, there were Judahites who had actually come to believe in Yeshua before His death and His resurrection. They believed in Him. In John 11, verse 45, just ten verses before our opening text in verse 55, we read, Therefore many of the Judahites who came to Mary and saw what Yeshua did believed in Him. They came to believe that He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one that Yahweh had sent. They believed in Yeshua before His death, similar similar to the way that Father Abraham believed in the coming Messiah before the Messiah ever showed up. Before the Messiah was ever birthed in Bethlehem of Judea, Abraham and many other patriarchs believed in the coming Messiah. What does John 8 say? Yeshua said it in John 8. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Talking about the day of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. So these people in John eleven forty five believed. It says they believed in Him before His death and resurrection. But in John eleven fifty five, many of these same believing Judahites still went up before the Passover to purify or to sanctify themselves. See, believing in Yeshua did not mean that they stopped sanctifying themselves. Believing in Yeshua today does not mean that you stop purification or sanctification in your life. I'm talking about good deeds, works, good actions. No early disciple of Yeshua thought that believing in Him meant that you stopped striving to be holy in your actions or to set yourself apart in holy times or set-apart seasons. Now these Judaites did this because the Passover was holy time. It was a time to get ready for. It was a time to cherish And the best way to cherish a holy time is to prepare for it properly. That's the best way to cherish it. I want you to think about that, to prepare for it properly. Let me give you an illustration. If you hold a banquet or a wedding, you don't just wait until the hour of the banquet and show up and expect everything to be ready. You prepare for it at least days in advance, if not weeks in advance and sometimes months in advance if you want it to be special. You prepare for it, do you not? You get your mind in tune with what's going to happen. You get the order of things established. You set the table. You make sure everything is in place. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. My daddy always told me that, and he said it in reference to basketball. (laughs) But I'm saying it in reference to the matters of the Spirit. 
If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. I got that from my dad too. And especially when we're talking about Yahweh's holy times. Amen. You don't just wait until the day of the Passover to start thinking about the Passover. You start preparing properly before it ever arrives, both physically and spiritually. Now, it appears that these Judahites were going up to Jerusalem at least, at least, maybe more, at least six days before the Passover, according to John 12.1. That verse mentions six days before Passover, and I believe it's tied to the previous verses. Remember, don't let the chapter and verse divisions cloud your study so much. Chapters are added in by man for clarification, make it easier for us to know where we open to in the Bible when we study. But the verses are linked. So at least six days before Passover, these Judahites went up to sanctify or to purify. Passover was a special occasion. It was a banquet in Yahweh's honor. It was a banquet held to remember Yahweh's strong hand in bringing the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. It was not something to treat frivolously. It was not an ordinary day. And it was not a coincidence that our Messiah died at Passover time. That wasn't a coincidence. It's not like it just happened and Yahweh said, oh, that worked out pretty good. That was ordained. That was orchestrated by heaven, by Yahweh. So the idea of sanctifying oneself before we meet with Yahweh, before Yahweh visits us on a special occasion, that was established in the law. We read this in Exodus 19, 9-11, just before the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Look at this. We know Exodus 20 is the ten words, ten commandments. Exodus 19 is just before it. Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. Moses told the words of the people to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today, tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready against the third day, for on the third day Yahweh will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. Now Yahweh is the one speaking to Moses here. Yahweh is the one who said, sanctify the people today, tomorrow, and be ready for the third day. And part of this sanctification included washing their garments. Now we might can think of how that would be spiritual, but I don't think that there's just a spiritual connotation to that. I think that it's actually washing of the garments, washing of the clothes. The great king is coming. Get yourselves prepared. Wash your clothes. Show up before him presentably. He's a great king. Yahweh does not prefer the rich over the poor, the Bible says. He is no respecter of persons in judgment. But, rich or poor, Yahweh wants you to sanctify yourself as you come to worship before Him. A poor man may have little to no clothes. And don't get me wrong, saints. Yahweh will receive and justify the man that humbly comes confessing his sins, no matter what he is wearing, no matter what he smells like. As Job says, we all come to Yahweh initially as unclean in His sight. My point is this. As we grow, as children of Yahweh, as we grow to serve the king, we learn more and more what a great king he is. And when we come before him, we sanctify ourselves. We don't treat it lightly. It's not like coming over to visit Matthew. You don't necessarily have to wash your clothes before you come and visit me. I'll still receive you. 
Yahweh says, when I come and visit, I'm a great king. Take extra measures. Purify, sanctify. Tell the people, Yahweh told Moses, I'm about to come down in three days and I want them to wash their clothes before I get there. Now, if you and I were going to meet the Queen of England, she's a very prestigious person, is she not? We would wash our bodies, hopefully, and we would wash our clothes as well. I know I would if I was going to meet the Queen of England. I would not show up to meet the Queen in my dirty work clothes, and even if I were poor, I would show up to meet her in the best that I had. Is not Yahweh greater than the Queen of England? Much greater than the Queen of England. He created her. She's a creature. Yahweh is the creator. Yahweh is much greater than that Queen. And putting this sermon together reminded me, reminded me that we all need to be concerned with our whole selves when we come to visit Yahweh on His special days. I need to, you need to take time to prepare yourself and myself for a banquet with the King, not of England, but the King of the universe. Now, a few verses down, later in Exodus 19, before the giving of the commandments, we read this. Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be ready by the third day. Don't have sexual relations with women. Now there's another way to get ready to meet Yahweh, to refrain from marital relations. Now I know that might be uncomfortable to listen to in a church setting, but you know what? Exodus 19 is a church setting too. And Moses felt comfortable to say it to them. Yahweh felt comfortable through Moses to say it. So I should feel comfortable to say it too. Yahweh was coming. The king was coming down for a visit. Get ready. Purify yourself for three days. Get your clothes washed. And do not lay with your wife. Now a man going into his wife is a good, righteous act. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing sinful about marital relations. But there are times when we forego our natural affections or we forego the lawful things that we enjoy. That It's okay to enjoy lawful things, right? But there are times when we forego enjoying those things for a special occasion or a holy time. Somebody might say, that's pretty Old Testament there, Brother Matthew. Well, I'm going to read something out of the New Testament, which, by the way, is still about 2,000 years old. But in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul gives these instructions. He says this, Let the husband render to his wife the affection owed her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband. Likewise also the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife. Don't deprive one another unless it is by consent for a season that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and may be together again that Satan doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I think we all see what that's saying. A husband and his wife are to show affection towards each other, not deprive one another of such intimacy. But there are times for a season, Paul says, where they agree amongst themselves to a time of fasting and prayer and abstinence. Well, what season do you think that Paul has in mind? I know people read times or seasons and just think, well, this is just a random time the husband and wife agree on. And I'm not saying that you can't do that. But think about it in the context of keeping Yahweh's appointments. 
Could not Paul have had in mind a season like Passover as one of those times? Would not that be a time that a believing couple, a believing husband and wife, they would consent to, they would agree upon in order to purify and sanctify themselves for the upcoming banquet? See, this shows us that purification or sanctification includes giving up things for a time. Not things that are sinful. Sinful things should be given up permanently. Amen. <laughs> if we find out that we're transgressing the Father's instructions, if, let me give an example. If, if I find out that I'm coveting my neighbor's stuff or that I'm dishonoring my parents because the law tells me what? Do not covet and honor my mom and my daddy. Well, if I'm not doing that and I find out that I am, I'm to give that up permanently. I'm to give up those transgressions permanently. Okay? I'm talking about giving up things that are lawful for a season to sanctify yourself or to purify yourself. Not to justify yourself, but to sanctify and purify yourself. We need to set aside certain things for a time so that we can better focus on the banquet and forget about other things. Let me give you an example. This might be funny to you, and those of you that know me, you'll know when I say it what I'm talking about, but I absolutely love to watch Andy Griffith. I'm talking about it's my all-time favorite show. Number one. And I mean, it's a high number one, too. And I like the black and white episodes, the first five seasons. I tell people that if you ever get into a trivia game, an Andy Griffith Show trivia game, and you want to win, you call up Brother Matthew, and I'll guarantee you a gold medal when we play the Andy Griffith Show trivia game. Because there's usually not one night that goes by that I don't watch at least one episode. Even if I'm going to sleep, I'll turn one on and I'll listen to it if I'm tired. And a lot of the parts I know by heart. That's, that's just me. I love that show. Well, I'm planning on foregoing that, watching that. That's a lawful enjoyment that I have. I'm planning on foregoing that and giving that up at least for the week before the Passover, along with a few other personal enjoyments that I have. Because I'm going to let go of some things that are lawful so that I can focus better on the banquet. Now, for you, it might be something different. Maybe it's refraining from your certain food or food altogether. Certain favorite food, I should say, or food altogether. Maybe it's refraining from your certain wine or certain beer. You refrain from that for a while. Something you enjoy regularly, but you say, you know what, I'm going to refrain, I'm going to focus on the banquet, I'm going to purify, I'm going to sanctify. I'm going to get my mind and my house in order so that I can have a better feast. Maybe you can cut the television off for a while. Probably something we need to do for most shows anyhow, right? There are a host of things that are lawful for you to enjoy that you can fast from in order to sanctify or purify yourself. There's many things. Whatever it is for you, make sure it's a sacrifice because Yahweh knows your mind and your heart. I've said this before and people say, well, the Lord knows my heart and they act like that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> But that should be the most scariest thing on the face of the earth, right? <laughs> that he knows our heart. But whatever it is for you, make sure it's a sacrifice. Don't give up something that really doesn't mean a whole lot to you because Yahweh will know that it's not a whole lot to you, you know? I could give up watching the Oprah Winfrey show, but I never watched the Oprah Winfrey show, right? <laughs> 
So that's, that's the, that doesn't mean anything to me. See? So you search your heart and your mind and you give up something that you enjoy for a season, for a season, to purify yourself for the Passover. We can all refrain from touching dead bodies before the Passover. All of us couples, we can fast, we can pray, not have marital relations for those of us that are married. We can all wash our clothes and get our clothes ready for Passover. But as individuals, there are probably different things that each of us can lay aside for a time to get ready for the banquet, to sanctify, to purify. In Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 1 through 3, we read the following. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of Yahweh at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to Yahweh, the Mighty One of Israel. For the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time, first month, because the priest had not sanctified themselves in sufficient number, neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. See, sanctification was so important that King Hezekiah, a very righteous king, by the way, one of the most righteous kings in the books of Kings and Chronicles, King Hezekiah decided to forego the first month Passover and take the second month Passover. Now, that doesn't give us a right to just randomly decide to forego the first month Passover. That's the Passover that's commanded and instructed by Yahweh. The first month is preferred. The second month Passover is permissible in certain situations. Hezekiah knew it was so important. We're not sanctified yet. Let's get our house in order for the second month because it's permissible. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 9. But then we read this later in the same chapter, verses 15 through 20. It says, Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month, and the priests and the Levites were ashamed. I want you to notice that right there. We're going to get back to that in a second. The priests and the Levites were ashamed, and they sanctified themselves and brought burnt offerings in the house of Yahweh. They stood in their place after their order according to the law of Moses, the man of the mighty one. The priest sprinkled the blood which they received of the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore the Levites had the charge of killing the Passovers for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to Yahweh. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it is written. For Hezekiah had prayed for them, saying, The good Yahweh pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek the mighty one Yahweh, the mighty one of his fathers, though not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Yahweh listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Now this text shows us the mercies of Yahweh. It's clear that the people should have been sanctified definitely by the second month. They weren't on the first month. They really should have been sanctified at the first month, but they definitely should have been sanctified by the second month. But some of them were still not. But I want you to notice something here. And this is something, brothers and sisters, if you grab a hold of this, Yahweh loves it so much, and that is a tender, humble, lowly spirit. Yahweh looks so highly on that when you come before Him. Because in verse 15, I mentioned it earlier, verse 15 says, and the Levites were ashamed. 
They were ashamed, Brother TJ, because they weren't ready. They were ashamed. Oh, that we would be ashamed of our transgressions before Yahweh. I think it's terrible that you can talk to people. I'm talking about saints, believers, and a lot of people don't know what it means to weep and to cry over their sins. To bow down with their face to the ground, which, by the way, everywhere that you read the word worship in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament, it means to bow down with your face prostrate to the ground. To get lowly before Yahweh. To be ashamed of what you have not done for Him. The Levites were ashamed because they weren't ready. They were penitent. They were repentant. They weren't just bouncing in there acting like, okay, let's just let's do this thing. It's not something frivolous. This is the great king. This is the great banquet. This is the first commanded feast of the year. Annual feast of the year. They were ashamed. I believe that we should weep over our transgressions. And yours might be different from mine. What I struggle with might be different from what you struggle with. But we all have our struggles. After James, in James chapter 2, he has this beautiful exhortation in verses 14 through 26 about works. Then in chapter 3, he says, we all stumble in many ways. (laughs) That's because both of those are true. The true saint has works, but you know what? He still stumbles in many ways. I read this last week. I think it's Proverbs 24, 16. It's somewhere in Proverbs. But it says that a righteous or a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up. But the wicked fall into ruin. They don't get back up. They practice. They stay in their sins. They're not ashamed. Don't miss that in verse 15. Carry that with you. The Levites were ashamed. Those were some righteous Levites, men. That's some good men right there, good men of Yahweh right there. And many non-Levites were not prepared too. We read of the tribes earlier that had not prepared, some of the men there. But they went ahead and they ate the Passover otherwise than it is written according to verse 18, which by the way in the Septuagint that is rendered in verse 18 as they ate the Passover contrary to the Scripture. And the scripture here is the law, the instruction manual. The key is is that they were in a period of restoration. They had not been keeping Passover and serving Yahweh under the previous king because the previous king or kings, plural, had not done that which was right in Yahweh's eyes. Most of the time when you read about the kings of Israel and Judah, especially Israel, it says he did not do that which was right in Yahweh's eyes. But praise be to Yahweh, there were some of them that did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes. And Yahweh highly favored them. I was reading about Hezekiah this morning. And Hezekiah, the Bible says, in one part of his life was sick, nigh unto death. And Yahweh said, get your house in order for you will die and not live. And he went and he prayed to the Heavenly Father. And the Bible said that he wept sorely or bitterly. And he was tender. And he said this, basically, this is in a nutshell. He said, I've done your instructions with a good heart and willingly. Father Yahweh, please, please answer my cry. Once again, remember what I said. Yahweh looks highly upon humility. So highly. We started off in Luke 18, 9-14. What did the Messiah say? He exalts the ones that humble themselves, but he brings down low the ones that exalt themselves. Yahweh looks highly on humility. 
Yahweh told Isaiah the prophet. He told Isaiah, he said, you go back to Hezekiah and you told him I heard his prayer. That gives me chills just saying it. Could you imagine if you were Hezekiah and the prophet came back and said, Yahweh heard your prayer and I'm going to heal you and I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Woo! <laughs> That's amazing to me, man. Well, Hezekiah here was in a period of restoration with the assembly of Israel. And he prayed the Hezekiah prayers, I like to call it. And he said, may the good Yahweh pardon all of the people that have come to eat the Passover, even though they've not sanctified themselves. And verse 18 says, they ate it contrary to the scriptures. Remember, they're in a restoration period, though, a restoring period. And that shows us, brothers and sisters, that shows us something that a lot of people don't understand about the God of the Old Testament. They think that the God of the Old Testament is this harsh dictator that's ready to pounce on you with his thumb every time that you mess up. But how many know that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament? Amen? And so this shows us that our Father's not a dictator. When you're trying to do what's right, He sees that. Even if you don't have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, He is a loving, merciful, gracious, heavenly Father when you are penitent and tender at heart and are ashamed like the Levites. He thinks so highly of that. Now, does that mean that it's okay for us to forego purifying ourselves for Passover? No. It doesn't mean that at all. These people in Second Chronicles wanted to purify. They were ashamed that they had not purified, and they were genuinely sorry for their neglect to purify. And Yahweh, in this case, He did see their heart, and it was a good heart that He saw. Brothers and sisters, Yahweh's mercy never, ever gives us a license to neglect His law. Never. Never. For the man on the street or the woman on the street that doesn't know Yahweh and has committed every sin under the sun and wonders if they can even be forgiven, if they repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ, Yahweh will throw their sins away as far as the east is from the west. Which means that grace is 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 a get out of jail free card. But it's not a license to sin. It's not a card that you can pull out and say, Well, I know I sinned, but I got this card. Yahweh's mercy never gives us a license to neglect this law. It's not a pass card to just do what we want and feel like. His mercy is wonderful. But you abuse his mercy. When you continue in transgression with no repentance, no sorrow, and no desire to correct your error. So I suggest that we take all of these scriptures to heart, brothers and sisters. I'm talking about me too. I'm not just preaching to you guys. I'm preaching to me. This sermon is just as much for me as it is for everybody else in here. We need to take all of these verses to heart. And realize He is a great King. And He's worthy of more than we could ever give Him. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to give Him what we what He deserves. Because He does deserve the best praise and the best worship and the best feast and the best banquets. He does. So for those of us that are getting ready for Passover this upcoming month, we've got about three weeks until it happens. So we have the time to get our hearts and our minds ready. We have the time to sanctify spiritually and to sanctify physically. We do. 
We have the time to do some extra fasting and some extra praying. We have the time to set that week before Passover aside to do something more for Yahweh. To lay aside our natural desires for a season. To wash our clothes. To do everything we currently know to do in preparation for the banquet. And all I can say is you do what you know to do, saints. Do what you know to do. I'm not saying that I know everything to do. I'm not saying you know everything to do. Do what you know to do. I can guarantee you this. If you plan ahead, if you take the time to get ready for the feast, the banquet, when it gets here, you will enjoy it more. You will. It will not be ordinary for you because you decided to make it special because Yahweh said it was special. And then, after you've done all that you know to do, I would encourage you to still pray the Hezekiah prayer. May the good Yahweh pardon me for that which I did not know to do or for that which I haven't done. Pray it in humility. Pray it in shame. And pray it because you know that no matter how much you purify, you would still be nothing without the Father and His Son, His precious grace and mercy. Brothers and sisters, sanctify yourselves for the Passover. Get ready because the King is coming. And I'm going to continue my studies in Passover uh, next Sabbath. So let's stand and have a word of prayer as we close. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. You are so wonderful and you're so great. Father Yahweh, I pray that, I pray that, Father, you would prick our hearts and our minds. That you would remind us of how wonderful and beautiful you are. Father, that you would remind us that the reason that we have love for you is because you loved us first. That the reason that we have a desire is because of your spirit that dwells within us. Father Yahweh, let that be a reality to us, and I pray that it would produce effects and fruit in our life. Yahweh, I ask that you would make it the best banquet ever. I pray that it would be like King Hezekiah's Passover. You would receive us as your children. Yahweh, we are little children. We don't know everything. We're still growing. Father Yahweh, I pray that you would help us. We, we all know certain things to do. And I pray that you would just help us as individuals do what we know to do. And we'll receive blessing from you. We reap the benefits. Moreover, by your instructions, your servant is warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. I pray these things through our ultimate Passover lamb. Yeshua the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, who bled and died for our sins so that we could be declared righteous in the eyes of you, Father. We thank you so much and we praise you through your Son. Amen. Yahweh bless you. Shalom.